along that line, I'd like to continue to emphasize on missions and also on the unstoppable gospel that we have. My text today is taken from the gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to verse 11. Can those at the top there can read these words or not? At the balcony, can you see the words? You can? Good enough for you? Raise your hand if it is okay. All right, all right. Wow, good, good. All right, shall we stand together then for the reading of God's word? Ready? Let's read it together. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nut, very costly, and she brought the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. May God add blessings to his word. Thank you. Please be seated. <clears throat> Can you show the next slide, please? Jesus said in verse 9, And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Jesus is speaking prophetically here. Wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world. Hey, the gospel hasn't even started yet. But the gospel... According to the gospel that Paul has received, he said, this is the gospel. Jesus Christ crucified, buried, rose again on the third day. That's the gospel, in short, in a nutshell. And Jesus hasn't been crucified as yet. Of course, the gospel is Jesus Christ himself. But the disciples and the people don't know what the gospel is. And yet Jesus says, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, where? In the whole world. The gospel will be proclaimed in the whole world. Hey, he, it hasn't even gone out of Jerusalem at this time. And yet Jesus is talking about the proclamation of the gospel in the whole world. 
He sees the gospel as an unstoppable gospel that will reach the entire world. And he added something else to the gospel and says, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Why is the gospel unstoppable? It is because of somebody, somebody like this woman, what she has done that will help to propel the gospel to the whole world. And what she has done, Jesus recognized her to such an extent that it is linked to the gospel that what she has done will be told in memory of her. So Jesus said, she has done a beautiful thing. Mark chapter 14, verse 6. She has done a what? What has she done? A beautiful thing to me. Jesus did not say she has done a great thing. Many of us wants to, wants to do great things for the Lord, isn't it? How oh, we want to do great things. We want to do the popular thing. We want to do the famous thing. We want to do the thing that everybody will clap their hands and acclaim. But Jesus did not say she has done a great thing. But Jesus says she has done a beautiful thing. Everybody say beautiful. Come on, you have to say it a special way, you know. When you say beautiful, you cannot say beautiful. You have to say a beautiful thing. Yes, she has done a beautiful thing. And that's what I'd like to share on this morning. A beautiful thing. And what this woman has done is recorded in all three Gospels. In Mark chapter 14, verse 3 to 11, Matthew 26, 6 to 16, and John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. At first glance, you may think that it's all the same. But the beauty of having four Gospels is that each one writes from their, what they know, what they observe, and as a witness or as a record, emphasizing on certain aspects. Now, Luke also recorded for us the anointing of Jesus Christ before the crucifixion. But the record of Luke is a bit different, and most scholars would believe that Luke is talking about a different anointing. A different woman who anointed, who anointed the feet of Jesus Christ with her tears and long hair. But that's a different story, a different anointing. But what we have here are the three records from Mark, Matthew, and John. And each one actually gives a different perspective. Now, Matthew and Mark are the closest here is where we, we talk about a comparison of the, of, the, of, of the Gospels. And it's a good study. So Matthew and Mark are the closest and they, 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 they are, their words are almost, almost similar, identical. John talks about the six days before Passover. 
Matthew and Mark talk about the event happening two days before the Passover. Two days before Jesus Christ will be betrayed and then handed over to the authorities and then he would be crucified. So it's towards the end of the ministry of Jesus Christ already. In John, he was in an unnamed home. But in Matthew and Mark, he was in the home of Simon the leper. Who is Simon? We do not know. But it will be interesting to know that Judas Iscariot, we know Judas Iscariot, right? But who is Judas Iscariot? In the Gospel of John, we are told that Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, is this the same Simon? Go and do research for yourself, okay? And that both happens in Bethany. And in Matthew and Mark, this woman is not named at all. It was an unnamed woman. A woman with an alabaster box. Who is she? In John's gospel, the person is mentioned. Mary. Mary of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus and Martha. Mary, the one who whenever her name is mentioned, is always found sitting at the feet of Jesus. The same Mary. And most likely it's her. And in the Gospel of John, she anointed the feet of Jesus. But in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, she anointed Jesus' head. Now, it could be both. When you put, combine all of these together, it could be both. She anointed the head and also the feet of Jesus Christ. So we know, I, I would take, I would take, I would understand this passage as referring to the anointing of Jesus Christ by Mary of Bethany. Now, when we talk about Mary, remember, there are seven Marys in the Bible. All right, there are seven Marys in the New Testament. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary, the mother of John Mark. There's Mary Magdalene, from whom was cast out seven demons. There's Mary, the uh, uh, mother of Cleopas. There's Mary of Rome. There's Mary of Bethany. Now, this is Mary of Bethany. All right, the one, uh, 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 the, the sister of uh, Lazarus and Martha. So you find that all three of them recorded this event to show that it is very, very important because it was so close towards the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that beautiful thing that she has done? A beautiful thing. What is a beautiful thing? First of all, giving is a beautiful thing. Everybody say, giving is a beautiful thing. Now in the church, when we talk about giving, everybody say, oh no, not again. Every time we talk about giving, as if it is a dirty thing, as if it is an evil thing. But do you know that giving is a beautiful thing? That's what happened here in the story. There was this woman who came to the house in, 
of Simon the leper, where Jesus was invited as an honored guest. There were not many people in that house. The 12 disciples were there, plus a few others, most likely about 17 people in that house. And there, this woman just barged in and came in and broke that alabaster box and anointed Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. She came with an alabaster flask. What is that alabaster box of flask? It may look something like this. Usually it has a long neck. And you have to break that neck in order to pour out the contents. How much content can it contain? About 12 ounces. 12 ounces is about what you get in a can of soda. All right? So it is, it is sufficient to anoint both the head and the feet. And in the Gospel of Mark, it says, you know, it is a, a, a nut, N-A-R-D, or a spike nut. And this is from a flowering plant that can be found in Nepal, the northern part of India, and the southern part of China. And from it is made a very costly perfume or ointment. Very, very expensive. How expensive it is? Later on in the verses, we find that it can be sold. The disciple says it can be sold for 300 denarii. How much is 300 denarii? He says it is equivalent to one year's wages. One year wages, that's a lot. How much do you earn? You multiply, how much do you earn per month? You multiply that by 12. If you're earning 5,000 a month, one year's wage is 60,000 ringgit. If you're earning 10,000 a month, one year's wage is 120,000. How many of you will readily, willingly, gladly, enthusiastically spend 120,000 ringgit to buy a 12-ounce perfume for your wife? That's, that's how much it's worth. In the feeding of the 5,000, the disciples say, we don't have that money to feed the people. It will easily cost 200 denarii. 200 denarii can feed 5,000 men plus women and children. But here it's worth more than that, 300 denarii. Somebody have calculated in today's, in today's uh, uh, currency, it would be about 24,000 US dollar. That's about 100,000 ringgit. That's a lot of money. She gave it to the Lord. She broke it and anointed the head and the feet of Jesus Christ. Did she have that much money? Where did she get it from? We don't know. But according to Jewish custom, a lot of virgins in Israel, they will buy expensive perfume for the day of their marriage. When they get married, they will use it. They save it up. All their savings, they will put into this alabaster box 
in order that when they get married, they will use the most expensive perfume. Nowadays, in our commercial world, it may be bought up like this. I think there's a group of you going to Israel in two weeks' time. You will find a Dead Sea mineral, Dead Sea soap. Perhaps one of the things that you will find is that spike nut, alabaster box, and they will claim it's the same one that Mary used. <laughs> don't you believe that? This is already commercialized. I don't know how much it will be sold. It will be all nicely boxed up. But Mary gave it all unto the Lord. Bible says she broke it. It has to be broken before it can be used. And the Bible says she did not give just a little bit. She poured it all. She gave her all unto the Lord. That may be the only prized possession that she has. She gave it all unto the Lord. She gave. Did not hold back anything. You see, the beauty of giving is when it is giving, giving a gift out of love. What motivated her giving? Nothing except love. She loved the Lord more than anything else, more than anything that she has. Mary loved the Lord with all her heart. And Jesus saw the heart of giving, the beauty of giving, which is love. The motive is very important. Jesus did not look at the cause of it. In our giving, Jesus does not look at how much or how little we give. It is from the heart. And that's what matters. You can see it in the posture of Mary who anointed with humility, giving her all unto the one who have saved her by the grace of God who have meant so much in her life. That's the beauty of giving. Not the burden, not the obligation. That's why giving is such a beautiful thing when it comes from the heart, out of the heart of love. You can see it in this, just one verse, in the Gospel of Mark, just one verse. She brought that alabaster box, broke it, and anointed and poured it all on Jesus. In these passages, both in Mark and Matthew, we see the contrast between Mary and Judas. In the Gospel of Mark, there was Mary with that alabaster box, very costly. She broke, poured it over his head. And Mark also recorded, just following those verses in verse 10 and 11, talks about Judas. Likewise with Matthew. At the end of that passage of the anointing of Jesus by Mary, they talk about Judas. What about Judas? Here he is. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 
30 pieces of silver. Why 30 pieces of silver? Maybe they negotiated, they bargained, and finally they arrived at the figure, 30 pieces and no more, the chief priest says. And finally, Judas accepted 30 pieces of silver. He did not know, perhaps he has forgotten, the 30 pieces of silver is the price for a slave in the Old Testament. You want to redeem a slave, it costs 30 pieces of silver. Can you just imagine Jesus was betrayed for the price of a slave? And indeed, Jesus was the servant of all. And from that moment on, he sought an opportunity to betray him. What a contrast between Mary and Judas. Look at Mary. Mary loved the Lord. Judas, he loved money. There are many reasons why Judas would betray the master. Some scholars say Judas is forcing his own agenda. He wanted to make Jesus Christ a political king to overthrow the Roman Empire. But at the bottom line of it all, actually, John is very clear. Judas was the treasurer among the disciples. He held the money back and he has helped himself to the money back as well. So he's a thief, and he loved money. Bottom line, he loved money. Mary was a giver. What do I have to give my master? I have only this alabaster boss. She gave everything away. But Judas, he's a taker. He approached the chief priest and says, what can you give me so that I will betray the master to you? He wants money, 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 money. Mary was praised by Jesus. Judas plotted against Jesus. We saw the devotion of Mary pursued heavenly values. The Judas mentality that many times is found in, uh, 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 in Christians as well who sought only earthly things. Mary was remembered for her unselfishness. Judas remembered as a traitor. Mary, Jesus says, uh, what she has done will be Talk about in memory of her. She's a memorialist. Judas, a materialist. And it is interesting that the story, follow one follows the other, as if it is just to bring to us the contrast of it. But of Mary, Jesus says, she has done a beautiful thing. Giving is a beautiful thing. Don't let the devil tell you otherwise. Don't let the Judas mentality hold you back. What Mary did was commended by the Lord as a beautiful thing. So let's do more giving because giving is a beautiful thing. Somebody say a loud amen to that. But although it may be a beautiful thing, not everybody will agree to that. Not everybody will say, wow, you are such a giver. Bless the Lord. Bless your heart. In fact, when you are a giver, a beautiful thing can be criticized. Instead of commendation, people will criticize you. Just like they did. Who was the first to criticize 
Mary. In the Gospel of John, it was Judas. Judas was the first to say, why such a waste? And then the disciples, the rest of the disciples agreed with Judas. And that's what he said. There were some who said to themselves indignantly. Here in the Gospel of Mark, he just says some. But in the Gospel of John, it was Judas who said it first. And then the disciples agreed. And then the crowd also followed along and said, Why was the ointment wasted like that? And they scolded her. Can you imagine? They scolded her. Why were they so upset that somebody was so generous? Why were they so upset that Mary gave Jesus Christ that costly ointment? It wasn't theirs in the first place. Now, if it is theirs, then they may scold her. It cost them nothing, right? It cost them nothing. And yet they scolded her. Why? We know that Judas is motivated by money. He wanted a share of that money. He couldn't get hold of it. He was angry. But the disciples, the rest of the disciples said, hey, this money could have been sold. And the money, this, this thing could have been sold to, and the money given to the poor. Now you have to understand that giving to the poor in those days are different from our concept of giving to the poor. When we give to the poor, what are we doing? We are helping them to alleviate them from the poverty, to reduce poverty, to help people in their needs. That's why we give to the poor, right? But in the Jewish concept, giving to the poor is a religious obligation. It earns you merit before God. It adds to your positive point. So when I give to the poor, it's not to help the poor. It's I gain favor with God. One notch up, I get closer to heaven. It is a religious obligation. And so they are not thinking about the poor. They are thinking about themselves. And they said, why such a waste? What a waste. What a waste. 24,000 US dollars, $100,000 gone in just a moment. Poured out. What a waste, they said. But was it really a waste? What is a waste? In the disciples' mind, in the people's mind, a waste is when you give too much. When you give too much to them, that's a waste. When you give something too much for something little, that's a waste. When you give something to somebody who does not deserve it, who is not worth it, that's a waste. But the understanding of waste is all lopsided. And that's the concept of the world. When you give unto the Lord, they say, what a waste. 
when your friends came to know that out of your salary, you give 10%, a tithe to the Lord, they will surely say, what a waste. What a waste. And when you serve the Lord, when you come for services, after services, you don't miss any services, you say, what a waste of your time. Why spend so much time in church? Why do so much for the kingdom of God? What a waste. You want to love Jesus Christ, love Him, it's okay, but don't become a fanatic, they say. You want to give, give, it's okay, but don't give too much, give a little bit, enough. You want to pray? It's okay to pray, but don't spend too much time. Don't waste your time. They don't understand. And they keep saying, what a waste, these Christians. But when you look at life, who is really wasting away? Mary, with that alabaster box poured out in honor and in love for Jesus Christ. And guess what? It was Judas Iscariot who said, what a waste. But at the end of his life, look at what happened. The 30 pieces of silver he got, he was convicted, wanted to return the money, threw it at the feet of the chief priest. They couldn't do anything with the money. They bought a piece of land to bury sinners in and they call it a field of blood. And what happened to Judas? He hanged himself. Who wasted the life? Not Mary Magdalene. No, not sorry. Not Mary of Bethany. But it was Judas who wasted his life. He was among the 12. He was among the 70 who cast out demons, who did many miracles. The one who said, what a waste, wasted his life and committed suicide. But the world will never understand that. People who earn and accumulate a lot of money, they say, what a success. People who excel in sports, they say, and in athletics, they say, what a hero. People who climb the corporate ladder and reach the top, they say, what an example. Politicians, they say, what a great civic leader. All the wrong labels. And if you become a missionary, they say, what a waste. But was it really a waste? William Borden came from a very rich family, the Borden Dairy Estate. In 1905, he graduated from high school, and the parents sent him 
on a trip around the world. That's a young kid. He got a trip around the world. Went to Africa, came to the Middle East, uh, went to the Middle East and came to Asia. But what he saw, the sufferings in the world really touched his heart. And when he was in London, he heard the preaching of R.A. Torrey, who had been there preaching for five months. He was convicted. He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. He came down the altar and he sang the song, I surrender all, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. And the night on the back of his Bible, he, said, he wrote the word, no reserve. No reserve, I surrender all. In 1912, he made an incredible decision. Just at the age of 25, young, handsome, successful, rich. He has inherited the wealth of the family. And in today's money, it would have been worth 40 million US dollars. That's a lot of money. 40 million US dollars. But he was convicted by the Lord and he gave all that money away. And at times he wondered, is it worth it? Is it worth it? But the Lord spoke to him and he wrote at the back of his Bible, below the word no reserve, he wrote the word no retreat. No retreat. He surrendered his life to become a missionary. Because he has heard about, he has heard from the preaching of one missionary who committed his life to go to China to preach to the Muslims in China. And that missionary said, those Muslims in China are lost, not because they are fanatic or they are extreme. They are lost because nobody went to preach the gospel to them. And so that's why William Borden gave away all his wealth, surrendered his life to go and preach to the Muslims in China. And he wrote, no retreat. On the trip to China, they have to stop by Egypt. And he succumbed to a sickness, cerebral meningitis. He struggled with it for one month. And after that, he died in Egypt without setting foot in China. And people said, what a total waste. What a total waste of this life. But when they opened the Bible, there was another entry at the back of the Bible on Below the word, no reserve, no retreat. And the last entry was, no regret. No regret. People say, what a waste. But when people heard about the testimony of William Borden, as a result, many, many other young men and women went to China. Many missionaries raised up. And his life has had a great impact. 
Was it a waste? No. I have to move on. There's so much we can share on this. So don't think that it is a waste when you give your life to serve the Lord. That's the best thing that you can do, really. The world may scold you. Your parents, your spouse may scold you, may not understand you. But anything done for the Lord will never be a waste. Do I hear an amen on that? Was it a waste when the five missionaries went and preached the gospel to savages? And the wives of those missionaries lost all their husbands. The five husbands were killed by the Oka Indians of Ecuador. When news of their death reached the world, the, reached the known world, everybody said, what a total waste. They, these were brilliant people. Among them was uh, an engineer, a pilot, and, and others. All their lives lost. What a waste. But it was Jim Elliot who wrote, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Mary is not a fool. Anybody who give unto the Lord is not a fool because you are giving what you cannot keep to gain what you cannot lose. Doing and giving what we can is also a beautiful thing. And so they scolded Mary and said, what a waste. Mary did not respond. Mary could have cried, why are they scolding me? I don't understand it. I didn't do anything wrong. But the Lord quickly interjected and said, leave her alone. Why are you all insulting her? Jesus came to her defense. And Jesus said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. And what she is doing actually, she is preparing me for my burial. Out of love, Mary was sensitive enough to know that Jesus Christ is about to die. And she anointed him. And Jesus says, she's preparing me for my burial. Did Jesus get a decent burial when he died? No. Because Sabbath day was coming already. They quickly took him down from the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb. It was a fast, quick act. And on the day of his resurrection, on the morning of the resurrection, the women, the Bible says the women went to the tomb. Interestingly enough, Mary of Bethany was a not among the women. They went to the tomb and the Bible says they carried with them ointment and spices to anoint the dead body of Jesus Christ. But the dead body is no longer there. He's risen. They did not get to use their spices. Only Mary. 
in this passage, God to do it. She's preparing me for her, my burial. What a privilege. What a privilege. The rest, too late. What you want to do for the Lord, do it fast. Do it while you can. She has done a beautiful thing. She did what she could. That's all that the Lord is asking of us, brothers and sisters, to do what we can. The Lord never asks us to do what we cannot do. Even if the things are impossible to us, He will empower us to do it. She has done what she could. What can Mary do? She's not like Martha. Martha is a very active person running about, do, do this for Jesus, do that for Jesus. But Mary was, has a very quiet disposition. She hardly speaks. Martha was the one who was doing all the talking. Every time you see Mary of Bethany, she's at the feet of Jesus, intently listening and taking in every word and obeying. What can Mary do? She cannot preach, she cannot sing. But one thing she has, that alabaster box, she broke it and gave to Jesus. And Jesus says she has done what she could. That's what God expects of us. You, if you say, I cannot go to the missions field, fine, for whatever reason. But for some of you, that's what you can do. Do what you can do. Don't be afraid of the toilet. Many of you say, oh, but the toilet and all that, the toilet won't kill you. It's what you can do. If you can go from the missions field, why are you not doing it? You cannot give a million dollars. Can you give a hundred ringgit? Ah, uh, yeah, pastor, I think I can do that. Why are you not doing it? Can you pray for somebody who's not well? And leave the rest to the Lord? You say, oh, but I, 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 I'm not good in this, I'm not good in that. Can you go and visit somebody in the hospital? If that's what you can do, do it. I don't have that alabaster, alabaster balls. There's a gift inside of you. Let it be broken and let us smell the fragrance, fill the air, fill the room. Do what you can do. Do all you can for the Lord while you can. And you will discover that when we do all we can do, then God does what only He can do. Doing a beautiful thing for Christ will be remembered will be remembered. That's why Jesus says what she has done, which is such a beautiful thing, which is all that she could do, what she has done will be remembered. It will be spoken of wherever the gospel is preached in memory of her. You see, what you do for Jesus Christ will be remembered. The Lord will not shortchange any of us 
any good thing that you do will be remembered. Jesus says, even a cup of cold water given in my name will not be without its reward. God will remember and God will reward. We do not look for the reward. Mary wasn't thinking about it at all. She just did what her heart compelled her to do out of love. And Jesus gave her the greatest reward and said she will be remembered. What is it that you are doing now that will be remembered for life? Somebody will remember you. Somebody says, live your life in such a way that when you die, you will be the only one smiling and happy and everybody else will be crying because they will miss you. It was said of John Patton on his tombstone on the island where he has committed his life as a missionary. And on his tombstone is written the word, Here lies John Patton. When he arrived, there were no Christians, all heathens. H-E-A-T-H-E-N-S. When he arrived on the island, there were no Christians at all, but only heathens. When he died, there were no, no heathens, all were Christians. Wow! What a memory of this life. What are you going to do that will be remembered? Mary never imagined that that alabaster box will be remembered all over the world. You may give unto the Lord, you may do something for the Lord, nobody may notice it. You may be like the, like the sun. Today I look out, out of my condominium, you know, I saw the sun rising, oh, it's so beautiful. Even if none of you saw the, saw the sun rising up, the sun still rises up, whether you notice it or not. Whatever that you do, whether people notice or not, the Lord notices. And the Lord says, you will be remembered. On the final day, He will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Not just directly for Jesus Christ. The Lord is no longer with us physically. But when you do for the least, when you give, when you do kind acts, Jesus Christ is repeating that statement. You have done a beautiful thing for me. It was Mother Teresa who said, let's do Something beautiful for God. A beautiful thing. Let's pray.